Good evening. Let's turn to our hymnals, please, to number 685, 685, O breath of life, come sweeping through us, revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. 685, if you're using a hymnal, otherwise it'll be on the screen for you here tonight. 685. seated. Let's unite in prayer at the throne of grace tonight, and we'll ask the Lord to meet with us and speak to our hearts, comfort those that are in trouble and trial, strengthen each one for the week before us, and meet the needs of every soul in this meeting. Father, we thank Thee for prayer for the throne of grace that you have bidden us to come boldly. And we do, Lord, we come in Jesus' name. There is none other name under heaven or earth by which we may approach unto thee. We thank thee for all that that name means to us. 
all that that name means in a Bible-preaching, believing church, all that that name means as we come to pray unto Thee, our Father. We thank Thee for what that name of Jesus means in heaven when all the angels and the living creatures bow down and worship the Lamb upon the throne night and day, rejoicing that He is the, the light thereof. Oh, we pray tonight that Thou wilt teach us what the Lord Jesus has done for our souls. We cannot take it in by nature. We cannot take it in in carnal means. There has to be a revealing of the mind of God through Your Word to our minds and hearts. And so we pray that you'll take away our spiritual blindness. We confess, O oh God, that we're slow to learn in spiritual things. We can learn the things of this world so quickly, but when it comes to learning the things of God, O oh Lord, we, we stumble and fall, and we need help tonight. We thank Thee for the sweet ministry of the Holy Spirit, who is our guide and our teacher. And we do want to be a Spirit-filled and Spirit-taught people. We want to be under the influence and the gracious speaking of the God, the Holy Ghost. And so I pray that you will come and breathe upon every hearer. I pray that you will cause a hunger within us to know the Lord our God and to know all your goodness to us. I pray that you'll bless the homes of this church. Thank you for mothers and fathers and for their testimony and their striving to raise children in the Lord and to be an example unto them, to provide for their material needs, but also to seek to lead them in the ways of the Savior. We pray that as they open the Bible at, at home, as they call the family together for prayer, that there will be a visitation of God in every home, and that thou wilt be the, the silent listener to every conversation, and that you will come down and bless families with joy and gladness. May our homes be delivered from worldliness, from the influences of, of Satan and sin, and we plead that hedge about every Christian home. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you will give the victory and the blessing to every heart. We pray for those who live alone. We know that this is a challenge in itself. Lord, come and be thou the companion of those who live alone. We pray that you will give them sweet times of prayer and give them friends to come alongside. And we pray that in this church there will be such sweet fellowship, encouragement, and rejoicing in one another that there will be blessing in store. Remember the prayers of your people for this congregation. Many have gone up this afternoon in the prayer room, prayer for travelers, for some who are in need of permanent residency, seeking visas, seeking, knowing God's guidance in the future and careers. Lord, these are pressing needs. These are issues that, uh, that can weigh us down. Lord, we pray that You will work on behalf of Your people. 
We pray for those who face the work world tomorrow morning. Oh, Lord, we ask that you will be gracious to enable us to walk in the light as thou art in the light and minister to us. So be with us now. Be very present, Lord. Oh, just breathe upon us. Oh, breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. Oh, breath of life, come. Cleanse, renew us, and fit thy church to meet this hour. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. 561 is our next hymn. 561, Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do. 561. Let's stand to sing, please.
good. That's been wonderful singing tonight, wonderful singing. 1 John chapter 1 is our Bible reading, and I know that some people have heard some of these things in our adult Sunday school, and uh, I did an overview of the whole book of 1 John on that Sunday morning back during the minister's week of prayer, but uh, I want to uh, get back to chapter 1, and I trust you'll follow along as we read together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This, then, is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and the, His Word is not in us. Amen. And may the Lord speak through His Word to your heart tonight. I think I'm going to call on Mr. McAnally again to come and uh, bring the announcement. Here he is. For a moment I saw no man, but here he is. Well, good evening again, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's house again. Good to see you this morning and again this evening. And of course, again, we welcome Pastor Gallagher and his wife this evening with us as he will bring the word. We were blessed this morning by his ministry as we looked at God's great plan of salvation for his people. And as I introduced our brother this morning, one of the things I mentioned that he's involved in is the LTBS radio ministry. And that radio goes across Canada, various radio stations. And so I just wanted to put a little plug in here for that, that if you're able to go above and beyond your regular donations and want to help that ministry. You are welcome to uh, mark your envelope here in our congregation. It's simply LTBS Radio, and that money will go towards that ministry. Also, you can donate directly on the website there as well. So we want to remember our brother here as he labors in this ministry, as the Word of God goes out day by day, and that this work will continue on. So please remember the LTBS Radio ministry. After the evening service tonight, there will be a brief choir practice for the youth. 
just gathered around the piano here. So right after words tonight, all young people, please come for that. We look forward to Wednesday night at our weekly Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And we look forward to our brother uh, George Robinson as he will come and bring the message on Wednesday evening. As mentioned this morning, uh, Pastor and Jill, they are returning, Lord willing, on Thursday of this week. We pray for safe travel. Uh, They're having a good time. I was speaking with him this afternoon, and he had a good time this afternoon today in the Ported Down Church. And so people there are sending their greetings to our congregation here, and we look forward to hearing more of their, their trip when they get back. Also, the Schultz family, I believe, will be flying in on Thursday as well. They'll be here for a couple of weeks holiday as well as being here for our youth conference. So next Lord's Day, Lord willing, our pastor will be here for both services, the morning and evening, and also we will have the children's church time as well next Lord's Day at 11.30. The young people, boys and girls, will be part of the service uh, up until about 11.30, then they will go downstairs for their Bible study. Again, after the evening service next Lord's Day, we'll have a time of fellowship in the basement. Everyone is welcome at Team 3. If you're able to uh, be part of that and to help, we would appreciate it. As I mentioned this morning, we're looking forward to our youth conference. We've been, it seems like we've been planning it for quite a while now, and we have been, and it's coming up quite quickly. August the 2nd to the 6th, Reverend Andrew Simpson from Prince George FPC will be here, and he will be bringing the word each time to our youth. We look forward to that, and we put out an appeal this morning for accommodation, and we thank those in the congregation this morning who have stepped up to that and able to fill those needs. We appreciate that. But if you'd like to go above and beyond your regular donations and to help with the, the cost of the conference, to help defer any of the costs, please mark your envelope, Youth Conference, and we'll see to that that money is donated and directed that way mentioned this morning about our sister Anna who had a fall and had broke her hip and had the hip replaced and uh, she's recovering now going through rehab in Centenary Hospital so continue to remember our sister Anna and watch over also her husband who is not well at home and he needs special care as well so remember their son who's looking after his father and others in our congregation you know the list you see it out in the bulletin every week that we send out those who are in need physically so we remember all of them tonight in our prayers. As we mentioned this morning, there was a good step forward in the immigration process for the Delina family, and we give thanks to the Lord for that and for that good step forward. Continue to pray on that their permanent PR card will come through as they are a vital part of our church here and our congregation, and we look forward to hearing the Lord answering prayer even further on those matters you know, COVID has changed quite a few things the way we do uh, operate nowadays. And one of the things is, of course, is how we give our tithes and our offerings. And, you know, many of you, if not all of you, would give electronically through different banking means. And we appreciate that. And on behalf of the board and session and the pastor, we want to just say thank you for all of your donations that come in to not only support the work here in this local body, this local congregation, but also that goes out to all of our missionaries you folks are faithful and giving to the Lord, and we know that you do it not out of duty, but out of worship, and it is an act of worship. Giving unto the Lord your first fruits is an act of worship, and so we just want to thank you for your continued uh, goodness in that way. 
as the Lord has blessed you, you have given to the church here as well. So on that note, I'll just ask you maybe just to bow your heads with me for a moment as we give thanks to God for his goodness to us in this manner. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you that every good and every perfect gift comes from your hand. And Lord, we thank you that you have given to us all of our temporal needs day by day. You have supplied each thing. We have never been wanting. And Father, we know that everything comes from your good and gracious hand. And Father, we give these gifts, these offerings, these tithes back into the storehouse, Lord, for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we know you do not need them. But, Lord, it is an act of worship, and we come to worship and give thanks unto our great God in this way. And, Father, we pray that you would bless our local body here, our congregation, our pastor. Lord, as we provide the needs here, oh, God, we pray you would bless it. And, Lord, we pray that the the offerings that come in for the mission field and for even the radio ministry, oh, God, we pray that you would use it for the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you again for all your provision to us. And, Lord, you've never left us wanting. And, Father, again, we just would ask for your blessing upon each of our families. We thank you, Father, for the Delina family and the step forward in the process there. And, Lord, we pray you continue to encourage them and bless them. Father, be with us now as we continue on in the service tonight. May our praise and our worship be acceptable in your sight. And, O oh God, we would ask that you put your blessing upon our brother tonight as he will bring the word. Lord, fill him with your spirit. And may he know help in the preaching of the word. And may we go home tonight rejoicing, knowing that we've met with our God. Accept of us now, we pray. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. And I do sincerely thank our brother for those uh, references to our radio ministry. That work goes on day by day. The word goes out in various places. Even this afternoon, I had a call from a radio listener in Brampton area, a family in great distress, and having heard the program this morning, felt that they could call for uh, some prayer and help, and uh, I have to call again uh, tomorrow. Yesterday, we had Frank DiDerno and his wife and little Franco as well in our home, and one of the reasons to have them before they go over to Fredericton is I got Frank behind a microphone. Well, Frank in the pulpit's one thing, and Frank behind a microphone is another thing. And uh, we had a few takes because we wanted to get a very precise announcement for the end of the Fredericton pro- program that goes out every Sunday morning. And of course, when he gets over there in September, it's only right that his voice comes on at the end and invites people to the service uh, week by week and seek to gather the people in there. Did something similar for Andrew Fitton, who is now the new minister in the church in Cloverdale. And uh, we had a few takes with him before he left Calgary to get a similar announcement uh, for the program over there. And uh, a few other conversations along the way about audio work and so on. So uh, it's good to be a part of Uh, the work of our churches, and it's good to get the gospel out beyond the walls of our churches. And uh, we do value and thank you for your prayers for that ministry going on. Now, I would like to be here for the the meeting on Wednesday evening. Mr. Robinson is going to be speaking. And I thought he might bring in his Excel sheet along. 
or uh, maybe he'll be preaching from the book of Numbers. That would be very suitable for Mr. Robinson as the uh, uh, archetype of uh, all things accountancy and bookkeeping and so on. He's the go-to man when you're in trouble with figures. And so, uh, thank you, brother, for doing that meeting on Wednesday. Don't forget the other meeting we have tomorrow evening. Uh, our brother serves as an interim elder in our Calgary church. And that keeps him up late at night because those meetings, 7 o'clock Calgary time, that's 9 o'clock here. And that's the starting point. So it can go on. And sometimes it can keep going on. So we appreciate our brother's labors in that. The other interim elder is the Reverend Simpson. And uh, we're thankful for his work on that as well. Do pray for Calgary. They do presently have three deacons. Uh, there is now going to be an election of deacons in September. We'll be doing some interviews for that. We have five candidates, and uh, we pray the Lord will guide in providing men to labor and uphold the work of the church there in uh, Calgary. Now, presently, Daniel Siman and Rebecca are over there, and we thank this church for loaning your deacon. And then next month for loaning your elder, Mr. Fraser and his wife Diana will be going out to Calgary. And uh, again, we thank you for your participation in the work of that church. Pray, of course, for a new minister in due time, that the Lord will be gracious to uh, keep that congregation strong and to help them uh, in choosing a new minister of the gospel over there. Another hymn now, we're going to turn in our hymnal to 554, 554. Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but his love abideth ever through eternal years the same. Let's stand and we'll sing just two verses one and two of five, five, four.
pray a moment. Father in heaven, we thank Thee for the joy that is in our souls as we sing these beautiful hymns. Grant that that song within our hearts will be rooted in the reality of our faith and our souls being anchored in the Lord Jesus. Teach us what it means to be a Christian tonight, and grant that we will leave this meeting praising the Lord our God, forever saving our souls and marking us for glory. Give help, O Lord, I pray, to every hearer, and also in this pulpit I just pray for Your gracious help. Come alongside. We need Thee, Lord. We confess our need of the breath of the Holy Spirit to uh, revive and invigorate us. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. First John chapter 1. And I want to give you the statement of purpose for the whole book. The statement of purpose for the whole book of 1 John. You'll find it in verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That, and that's the statement of purpose. It has the impact of in order to, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That word fellowship is much more than just coming to a church service. It's much more than meeting a friend and talking and striking up a conversation. It's much more than just saying, we had a great time in friendship together. This is the Greek word koinonia, and it means partnership. It's like you going into work tomorrow morning, and your boss says to you, you've been working here for a while, you like your work, I like what you do, I would like you to become partner with me in the business. It's not fellowship, it's partnership. You're going to take on the responsibilities alongside of me for this business. You're going to reap the rewards of this business alongside of me. It's a full 50-50 partnership. And that ought to excite your soul. Wouldn't that be good? Tomorrow morning, out of the blue, your boss announces, we're going to make you a partner. Not just a helper, a partner in this whole business. Well, that is exactly what God has done when He called you to be a Christian, into the fellowship of the Father and of His Son. It is a sacred and a holy sharing in spiritual things as a partner. Now, Christians are not just called to imitate the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, He's our example. There is no one that was more holy, more consistent, more 
father-like, more uh, encouraging, and what blessings came from his life. He is our model for imitation. We are to be followers of the Lord Jesus. But Christians are also partners. We are in fellowship with Him in this sense. Now, that happens at the new birth. That happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, into your life, and you are born of God. In this book of 1 John, John quotes that six times. He keeps it before the minds of his readers when he repeats six times that ye are born of God. Now, that has to mean something. Born of God. Born into his family. Born of his nature. Born into his likeness so that we become partners. Now, the other way that John keeps this miracle of partnership uh, going through the book of 1 John, he speaks of to know God. And I would highly recommend that you read this book through at one sitting. And you look for this statement, to know God. Now, it has the meaning of knowing Him in your heart. It's the word gnosko. There's another word, idol, whereby you're an observer. You could be looking in the window and looking, seeing what's going on inside. You're on the outside looking in. You know something about it, but you're not really part of it. Whereas the other term, gnosko, is to know it in your heart. You've experienced it. You have truly been born of God, and thereby you know Him. And we become partners. Koinonia. Sometimes we, as Bible fundamentalists or free Presbyterians, separatists, whatever you call us, we shy away from that word because the ecumenists have hijacked the word koinonia. They have taken it to mean unity between different churches and umbrellas of Christianity, Roman Catholicism, Eastern uh, Christianity, Western Christianity, Protestant, Evangelical, everything just under koinonia, one great big circus tent. But koinonia was John's word to teach born-again Christians that you are in full partnership with the Father and with His Son. Now, let me very quickly give you an outline of the book. Chapter 1, how come? How can it be possible that we could become partners with God? That's the content of chapter 1. Chapter 2 is what happens when you become a partner with God and you're born again. Chapter 3, who does it? And you know chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. By whom? By the Father. He is the doer of it. Chapter 4 is who cares? And John talks about false prophets, deceivers that have gone out into the world, and they don't care 
They don't care to guard the name of Jesus. They don't care about the testimony of the gospel and the church. Then chapter 5, whosoever believeth. That's who can be born again and who can be a partner with God. All who believe on the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So we're coming back now to chapter 1. That's our focus for this meeting tonight. How come, how is it possible that you and I can become partners, koinonia, with God? Well, firstly, there is a revelation of God's Son. And you'll see that in the opening verses, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. There must be a knowledge of God's Son. No stranger to the Lord Jesus Christ can be born again. Souls need to know the Lord Jesus to know the Father. And one little caveat, if you have the Son, you have the Father. If you have the Son, you have all of the Son, and you have all of the Father. Now, John says that he was an eyewitness of the living Lord Jesus before and after Christ's death. He says, that which was from the beginning, we have heard. John witnessed, heard the ministry, the voice of the Lord Jesus. Wouldn't that have been exciting to know someone by his voice? You know how you go on the phone and before you even hear their name, you know the voice. John was so privileged. He heard Jesus' voice. John was an eyewitness. He saw and he heard. He also handled with his hand. This is the John that lay on Jesus' breast. He didn't need to do what uh, Thomas did, who said, I will not believe unless I thrust my finger into his hands or his side. But he did, and he did believe. And so all of these apostles, they heard, they saw, they handled the Lord Jesus Christ that he was really flesh. Now, John testified of Jesus' physical nature, his real humanity, and this was pertinent to the day. He was preaching to the issue of the hour because of a heresy, the seeds of which were being sown by Gnostics. And that heresy is that Jesus is just a vision. He is he is just spirit, but no real body. And throughout this book, John gets into the defense, and he stands up for the full humanity of the Lord Jesus. In the early century, this date of John's writing was very close to the end of the first century, probably 98 A.D., 
by then, some not quite 60 years after Calvary, when the church after Pentecost and church plants were taken off, heresies developed, spewed and skewed ideas on the nature of the Lord Jesus. And the pendulum on who He was swung from left to right. Some said He was divine only. Some said He was human only. Some said He was everything imaginable. But John came right down the middle that Jesus has two natures. He is God of God, and He is man of man. And in that union between the second person of the Trinity, there is no confusion. There's no conversion. Now, our confession puts it that way, and it says that there is no conversion, meaning God didn't change into a man, and a man did not change into becoming a God. But the true nature of deity and the true nature that was formed in Mary's womb by the Incarnation were fused together in one unique God-man, the man Christ Jesus. And so John took his stand for the Savior. Now, the Lord's unipersonality, and you may as well learn that term, it's a good, guiding, helpful term, the unipersonality of the Lord Jesus, God and man in one person. That made him the perfect Savior of his people. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's God and man in one. Now, one other detail I want you to notice in this book, that John speaks in the plural. He doesn't speak of his personal opinion. He doesn't say, I saw the Lord. I heard the Lord. I handled the Lord. He said, we handled. And he's speaking for each of the apostles. This is apostolic doctrine. And John is standing strong and tall for every word of it. This is the way into fellowship with the Father through the Son. If you know the true God-man, Christ Jesus, the sent one from the Father, the one who was incarnated in Mary's womb, who lived a sinless life and died on the cross an atoning death, then you have fellowship, partnership with God. You are born of God. It's a miracle. The Scottish preacher Henry Scargill called it the life of God in the soul of man. Have you got that tonight? Then you are the most blessed person in all of Ontario. And Ontario's a big place. There's more trees than people, mind you. Beulah and I took a trip 
just last weekend over to Ottawa, something we have wanted to do for many years, but until uh, recent retirement, we had no opportunity to take the time out. And it seemed to be uh, a good while before we got around to it, but we set ourselves on our 45th anniversary that we would make that trip and visit the city of Ottawa. Now, GPSs are great, and they are very helpful when you're stuck. But when you're out of reception, they don't really help much. We took the trip from Barrie to Aurelia to Bancroft right over to Ottawa, and there were a lot of twists and turns, a lot of changes of routes along the way. So we decided we won't do that on the way back. We'll make a different route. We'll come a middle route through Peterborough. Well, the GPS wanted to go the old route, and off we went visiting all those trees all those roads all over again. This gospel, this fellowship, this koinonia with God through faith in the death of the Lord Jesus is an absolute miracle of God's saving grace. And if you have that new birth in your soul through fellowship with the Son, what a salvation you possess. And you are not just copying the Lord. You're not just following after the Lord. You're in the family. You are an heir and a joint heir with every heavenly blessing. Do you realize that? Would you spend at least 10 minutes tonight before you sleep thanking the Lord for all the spiritual blessings you have in union with Christ? Just a little praise time in your soul with your Lord thanking Him for bringing you into this koinonia fellowship, this union, this bond of partnership. You are blessed tonight. I agree with the Reverend Bannister. The preacher's job is to inform people of how blessed they are. That's what we're here to tell you tonight. And it's all recorded for us in this book. Now, that's a revelation of the Son. That's how it's possible. Number two, there's a revelation of God as the light. Verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, I call it a revelation because you'll notice that it's not John's message. It's not merely the apostle's message. It is God's message. This, then, is the message which we have heard of Him. Isn't it great to come to the church tonight and know that you're not going to get the rantings of a preacher in his own little thinking? 
but you're going to get what God says, what He has revealed of Himself in His own Word. And you know, we can only know God insofar as He has revealed Himself to us. God is so immense that we can only grasp what He shines into our hearts and into our lives. God is light. That's Bible speak for perfect. In Him is no darkness at all. There's no spot, no gray area. There is no black. He is pure light. Would you turn to the book of James with me, chapter 117? And you have a wonderful little statement there, James 1:17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The only place on earth where you can stand and there's no shadow is at the equator at noon. There is no variableness. There's no dark spot. And James is telling us that God is perfect light. It's always at noon, no shadow. And John went on to say, in him is no darkness at all. Now, the big question then is, how can we have fellowship with a God who is so perfect and so holy? Well, it is not by dragging God down to human level. It is not by in any way trying to change God into man's standard. God is unchangeable, inflexible in His holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And if we are to worship God, we must worship Him as He truly is, the God of perfection, the God of light. This is the how of fellowship with God. Each and every Christian, you and me, must be brought into the light and walk in it. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's verse 7, 1 John verse 7. But verse 6 is a warning. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie. If you're a rebel, if you are throwing out the Ten Commandments, if you're seeking to live the way you want to live without a thought for God's holy standard, then you're walking in darkness, and there's no light in you. And John's conclusion of the matter is this, that an empty profession of walking with God will not do. Will not do. Verse 6, if we say 
that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. So if you say with your lips that you're a Christian, that you're walking with God, but you walk in darkness, you lie and do not the truth. Now, we're not making that judgment. God is. And God has stated that He is light, and that must be the basis of our fellowship with Him. God has revealed that to us. And the logic then is that all who will walk in lies, disobedience, and rebellion to God's light are covering up their lifestyle, hiding in the closet of the darkness. They have no fellowship with God. But the true Christian desires that everything is brought out into the light. It's like the old way of spring cleaning. When April, May comes around and winter's gloomy days are over, and the housewife decides it's time to spring clean. And what does she do? She takes all those carpets that have been walked over for months, and they're brought out into the daylight. And she hangs them over the fence or over the line and beats them. And then she can see all the dirt and all the dust. She brings them out into the light. She really is interested in making them clean and white. And so is every Christian. We are interested in purity, holiness. We want to be changed into God's image, and we want His light to shine on our lives that we also may walk in the light. Solomon said in the Proverbs, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you cover up your sin, you have no fellowship with God. But if you confess and forsake your sin, then you begin to walk in the light. And what a wonderful thing that is. When we are born of the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, and we are born of God and given new hearts, then we begin to see our sin. We begin to hate our sin. And we cry out like Paul, O wretched man that I am. And we want to keep short accounts with God. There's honesty in every Christian's profession. And you pray, Lord, I want to be honest with you. I want you to show me my sin. Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. This now is the basis of fellowship with a God of perfect light. Don't try to drag God down to man's standard. That's what the worldly church does. That's what humanism does. But John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. One more revelation 
in this chapter, and you'll find it uh, right down there in verse 7. It's the revelation of blood atonement. Now, we've had the revelation of God the Son, revelation of God the Father walking in the light. But how can we who are confessing our sin, and we have to come honestly and put everything on the table, we have to confess every sin that we're aware of. How can we be made right and reconciled to God? Well, this third revelation is the answer. And it is, as you see here in verse 7, and I want you to take note of the, the, the wording here. It is the revelation of the perpetual application of the blood of Christ, that the blood of Jesus washes the Christian over and over again and again constantly. Did you notice in verse 7 what it says, that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth. It's ongoing, continuous. Who would have thought of such a thing as this? In God's eyes, when He looks upon you as a Christian, when you have called upon the Lord Jesus to be your Savior, and God looks upon you, God sees the blood of His Son upon your soul and applied to your life. That's because Jesus' death was of infinite value. He was God and man in one person, and His divinity gave eternal value to His human suffering. And therefore, we can say tonight with all confidence, the blood of Jesus has supernatural power. That's our basis of fellowship with the Father. And Christ died for our sins, past, present, and future. Every sin had to go beneath the cleansing flow. Now, I was looking at the poster for the youth meeting that's coming up, and I noticed that there's going to be a trip to Niagara Falls. Oh, to be young. Oh, to be climbing on a bus and traveling down the road to see a sight like that. And as you hang over the reel, not too much now, but as you hang over the reel and you watch that water and it just flows over in a mighty torrent. And down below is the mighty mist that rises up into the sky above ground level. From below the, the very chasm of the Niagara. And the maid of the mist seals up, and you need a cape. You need something to cover you from the mist. It's a it's like rain pouring down. Think of what the gospel does for the Christian. 
And young people, when you get down to Niagara, I want you to tell them this, that that is a wonderful example of the ongoing cleansing of our souls by the blood of Jesus every hour, every day. Now, I researched Niagara. Did you know that it actually stopped once? Way back in 1848, March 29th, the Niagara Falls ran dry, and it was due to ice backup on the Erie Canal, and the water stopped flowing just once in recorded history, just once. But I assure you tonight that the peace and the blessedness of the Christian is that the blood of Jesus flows for all eternity without stopping. And there's never a moment that we are not under the blood. And so to the God who sees our sins, the same God, He sees the blood of His Son. And just like in Egypt at the Passover, God promised, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the blood-washed Christian has this wonderful koinonia fellowship, partnership with the Father and the Son constantly. This is something that God has covenanted to do. Now, if you go to verse 9, you will see the wonderful promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, as you confess, as you plead cleansing, God is faithful. He will live up to His covenant promises, and He will cleanse you and keep on cleansing you forevermore. This is a chapter of communion, and partnership with God. And you have it tonight as a Christian. You have it all. You have all of the Son, and you have all of the Father, and you have all of eternal life through the provision, the supernatural power of the cleansing blood of Jesus. I want you to th- want to thank you tonight for listening so well. I want to thank you for having this opportunity to preach God's Word to you today. Will it make any difference tomorrow to you that you have heard that you are in partnership with God? I've already asked that tonight, before you sleep, spend a little time 
just praising the Lord for all that you have by faith in Christ Jesus, and that you have all the blessings, all the time, for all eternity. But when you get up and go to work tomorrow morning, just remember you're under the blood. When you face temptation in the world, when you hear the tempter's voice in your ear, remember you're under the blood. And it's right that we confess our sins. There's one thing we're going to do tomorrow, and that's sin. We're going to sin tomorrow. We're not going to keep the law of God perfect. We're going to feel we're going to come short of God's glory tomorrow. Does that mean that our fellowship with God is over? No, the blood keeps on cleansing us and keeps us in constant fellowship with God. One last piece of advice. When we talk about confession of sin, and every Christian needs daily to confess their sin, Don't stop until you get to the cross for cleansing. It is not Christian. It is not biblical. It is not evangelical for a Christian to just get into a pity party. I'm a sinner. I've broken God's law. I'm in a terrible shape, and God must be displeased with me. I'm undone. That's not confession of sin. That's denying the constant cleansing power of Jesus' blood. And this was something I read from Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's wise, it's necessary. When you confess your sins, whatever it is, don't stop until you get to the cross, because that's where you find the remedy. That's the healing. That's the cleansing from sin. It's the answer to our self-consciousness of our sinful nature and our failing before God. And we go to the cross afresh, and we plead the blood again and again and again. And John says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So this is important, but don't stop till you get to the cross. Let's close in prayer tonight. Let's just ask the Lord to take his word and write it on our hearts. O God, our Father, we thank thee for the help that you have given us to look at this first chapter of John. We praise thee for the gospel, for this amazing Savior who took our nature, who became our Redeemer. Lord, we love you tonight. We praise you tonight for saving our souls. We thank Thee that many here tonight have been born of God, that there is this true experience of new life in Christ. We thank Thee also for the constant cleansing 
of Jesus' precious blood. Oh, Lord, we thank Thee that right now that blood is flowing over us. And even tomorrow in the melee of the world and a, a corrupt world and a world of filthy conversation, that precious blood will still be flowing over us. Oh, Lord, we thank Thee that all our worship is to be bathed in the blood. All our praises are to be living sacrifices, praising the Lamb. And one day we shall see Thee, Lord, and we shall see the scars in Your hands, the wound in Your side, and we'll see the blood that cleanses us again and again and again. Bless this congregation. Thank You for the interest that You've given them in the Savior. Lead them on. Keep them from the world. Give them much joy and gladness in knowing the Savior. Bless every home, and dismiss us now with your blessing. Take us home in safety. May the blessing of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with every believer now and ever. Amen.